Please stand if you're able and join me in the call to worship. O Holy One, you are our God. For you have done wonderful things. You have been a stronghold to the poor. You subdue the noise of violence and hatred. Oh, Holy One, you are God. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. I'm glad that you're here. We're delighted that all of our members are here and also uh, the guests that are here with us today. We want to especially welcome you. We would like to ask everyone to fill out the registration tablet at the end of each pew. There's a blue booklet there and you can put your name in there and if there's other information you would like to share with us, then write that down and we'll have it uh, for our records here. Southside Baptist Church is in the heart of Five Point South, building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. We welcome all who come into this 
house of worship, as we gather to worship the one true and living God, we welcome you with open arms, and we desire to do our best to help all develop and use the gifts and abilities they have to be a part of God's kingdom's work here in this community. It's good to be here today to worship together. We want to take a moment to pass the peace of Christ to those that are uh, nearby you. If you would, take a moment and welcome those in the name of Christ. second in his sermon series, Pathway of Prayer, today will be on Our Father from the Lord's Prayer. always it's great to see the welcoming of one another in, in uh, the sanctuary here. We uh, also welcome those who might be visiting us by way of YouTube, either live or uh, by delay broadcast. For those of you who are interested in that, I'm sure that that information is getting around, uh, but uh, we are in the second Sunday, I believe, and Ajita's up there very busily making sure that all things are well. Uh, we're grateful to him and to others for uh, uh, making, this, uh, making this happen. I, um, I, my family moved to Birmingham in 1966. My dad pastored a little Baptist church out in East Lake, Lake Highland Baptist Church, and I started to the eighth grade at Curry Elementary School that year. Um, as a field trip, the eighth graders were taken to the Birmingham Symphony concert during the day down at the Boutwell Auditorium. And a gentleman named Amerigo Marino was conducting that day and he did these sort of uh, lectures about the music and I will never forget because it was a life-changing event. That was the first time I'd ever heard a live symphony orchestra in my life. Um, hearing Jesu Joy Man's Desiring with uh, an orchestra that's life-changing for an eighth grader, perhaps. It certainly was for this one. The, the gentleman, Amerigo Marino, many of you will, uh, that are, uh, have been around Birmingham for a while will recognize him and his name. He was the conductor of the Birmingham Symphony and then later the Alabama Symphony from about 1964 or five to um, 1984. He was an arranger and composer of the top order. He came to us from Los Angeles uh, having been an arranger composer for CBS television and radio and a lot of other sorts of things. Today's setting or arrangement and basically a recomposition of the old Malat uh, version, Albert Hay Malat uh, tune that everybody will know. Uh, if, you, if you start singing along, please don't. Uh, no, uh, we, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you'll know this tune. Yeah, you'll recognize it. Uh, but, um, but Nonetheless, uh, Marino took it and made it a, a, something different and very fulsome. Uh, and this will be the first performance, probably, of his version of the, the Lord's Prayer by Milan, uh in at least 25 years, maybe 30 years. I discovered the uh, uh, choral version of this in the Sanford Library. Uh, it was performed many years ago by the Birmingham Civic Chorus uh, and other choirs uh, as part of the Festival of Sacred Music here that went on, sponsored by the Birmingham News for many years. Sorry to go on so long about that, but it is a, it's a unique uh, piece of Birmingham history uh, that we'll be hearing today as a part of our, our celebration and uh, contemplation of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father. Before we do that, we'll sing, and before we do that, we'll pray. May we pray. Our Father, we know you are in heaven, but we also know you are in our hearts and you are in our midst, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the presence of your spirit, your son, yourself, 
in this service as we enjoy it, we enjoy you, we enjoy one another, and we enjoy your word. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. May we stand and sing number 19. I sing the mighty power of God. May we stand. first reading today is from the Psalter. I'll be reading from Psalm 40, 145, verses 10 through 18. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all who look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all, on, to all who call on him in truth. Here ends our first reading.
Our second reading is from Paul's epistle to the Ephesians and the first chapter and reading verses 15 through to the end of the chapter. She chose this particular reading because it ties in well with our theme this morning of thinking of the very first part of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father. Paul writes, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe? According to the working of his great power, God put this power to work in Christ, whom he raised from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. That's a long sentence. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. may be seated. Good morning. How are you all today? You had a good day? Good week? Everything's going well. Some of you started the school, some haven't. Is that correct? You two go back this week. Is that right? Start tomorrow? Yeah, and you're going to take a Alabama haircut back to New York, aren't you? Yeah, you are. Back to New York. I'm in New York. Okay. Well, we're glad you've been here for these weeks. Martine and Jack, y'all go back to, you're already back in school. All right. And Abby, you are too? You've already started? Okay. But today, you're all back in school and everything's going well with you, right? Well, I want to talk to you just as always about, it's not so much about school, although we remind you that we're praying for you always, right? All the time. I wanted to see if you can help me with something. This is, well, you know what this is? Uh, yes, it's your phone. Okay. Well, I know that Abby has done some scouting, right? And Timothy's back in the back, but he's done a lot of scouting. And um, one of the things that you do is you learn about, uh, not only there, but other places too, you learn about reading a compass and getting directions. Okay. So what is it? Y'all come around here, Abby. Okay, so if, if that's what it says, where, where would be north on this? Uh, north, right there. Okay, you, you show everybody out there where it's pointing. Right. Short, point that direction. Point to the direction that the compass is pointing. Um, look, up, look, which way is over it? There. <laughs> over there. Okay, all right. So that means that that way south, right? And that way is what? Uh, east, east and west. Okay, now let me ask you this. If you. It's just showing it's not quite locked in there, okay? So we're, we're set where we know that north is that direction right there. Now, if you got lost, do you think you could take this and use that to find your way? If you had a map? Well, because you'd ask, you'd probably call, you just get a GPS on it, right? Find it that way. I know. That's right. That's 
Well, what if you live south? Some of you live, some folks live in Homewood or. Uh, oh, Galveston. You would go, okay, so how would you go? You would just ride, you would take that, you would follow the directions that way. You know, this is pretty easy, isn't it? You can see that now. If you get out in, in the woods somewhere hiking, it might be harder to find your way. Walk around in circles, don't you? Uh -huh. Walk around in circles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. That usually happens when you have three friends walk around the same tree. <laughs> you figure out that. Yeah. That's not quite the way. Well, let's think about it this way. We're we're talking about in worship prayer. You know, a lot of us spend a lot of time praying to get direction, and sometimes we pray and all we do is walk around in circles because we're really not listening. But if we go to God and we pray. Lord, help me to know how to respond to certain things or how, what decision I need to make. Just like this compass shows us directions, God gives us directions, too, through our prayers, through just daily, uh, through other people, through the things that we read in the Bible, all those ways. God shows us different things that will help us. So, in a way, our prayer sort of is a, is like in ways, it helps us to understand the way we're supposed to go, just like the Bible is likened to a compass. So this week as you go to school, those who start this week, those who are already there and those who go back to your homes, to your school in New York, that you remember that when you have to make a hard decision about whether you're going to do a particular thing that's good, that's kind for someone or not, and you pray and God says, yeah, you know that's what you should do, or you're supposed to behave or mind your parents, then you know that that's what you're supposed to do. But if we, if we ever find ourselves wondering, we can pray and ask God's guidance in that, so we can pray. So we want to give God thanks that we're not by ourselves, that he gives us direction every day, okay? Let's pray together before we go back to our places. Lord, we thank you that you are with us and that you do give us directions. I pray for these that would be in school as they continue to grow up and learn new things, that you would guide them and help them day by day. Give them direction as they seek to do the things you would have them to do. In your holy name I pray. Amen. invite you to join me as I lead us in our intercessory prayers this morning. Will you pray with me? At various points during the prayer, I will say, loving God, hear our prayers. And I invite you to respond by saying, Lord, graciously hear us. Loving God, hear our prayers. Lord, graciously hear us. Gracious God, who is like in which we live, the heavens are yours, the earth yours also. You formed this planet in which we live. You shape the universe and lovingly, steadfastly care for it forever. Yet we do not approach you first and foremost as creator, but we come to you as your son has taught us to pray to a loving parent, welcoming, forgiving, generous, and kind. And we come before you this morning to pray for others. We pray during these long summer days for the people we take for granted, our family, friends, good neighbors, loyal colleagues, for producers and preparers of our food, for those who maintain all our utility supplies, for those who drive buses, taxis, people who deliver our mail, collect our waste, mend our roads, give us weather forecasts. For all these and others, Lord, loving God, hear our prayers. Lord, graciously hear us. We give thanks this morning for people we admire, 
for firefighters, for ambulance officers, for police, for nurses, for surgeons, for therapists, school teachers, musicians, those courageous souls who fight corruption in high places, many who serve as charity volunteers, even abroad in dangerous circumstances. Loving God, for those, hear our prayers. Lord, graciously hear us. We pray for those people also for whom we may have mixed feelings. For those who are politicians, journalists, employers, colleagues at work, difficult neighbors, estranged family members. Lord, we remember those before you this morning. Loving God, hear our prayers. Lord, graciously hear us. We pray for particular people this morning who have been on our hearts and minds, who have particular needs and concerns. We silently name them before you, loving Whatever their need or personal issues, whatever their age, health, faults or virtues, we ask you to guide, to guard, to nurture, and sustain them. Loving God, hear our prayers. Lord, graciously hear us. And so we come and we bring our prayers together and we say the prayer that our Savior taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
That's always good when that was special. <laughs> One of the special things about being a grandparent is that you can normally give them back at the end of the day. We spent a lot of time with our grandchildren when we were in, in Scotland and also for a week in France. And one of the most enjoyable things near the end of our, our week in France was taking my seven-year-old granddaughter, Naomi, and taking her to the patisserie, about three kilometers away uh, from the cottage where we were staying to get the bread in the morning, the du pain. Now, I realized the first morning that we were going there that neither of us really spoke the language at all. I knew du pain. I knew brioche, but I thought that was a pretty, an English way of saying something. And I knew un de toi. And I thought, how are we going to get on? But you know, we were successful. You can point at things and you can say words that perhaps are not being pronounced the, the proper way. And you get what you're looking for. But I was thinking about prayer. Prayer is asking. Prayer is seeking. Prayer is knocking. Prayer is difficult. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. We don't know where to begin. We don't know what to pray for. Sometimes we think perhaps we're being selfish in what we pray for. Should we pray for Alabama or Auburn? Or can we do such things? I've been praying for Scotland for years and it's never worked in the soccer field anyway. The Anglican Book of Common Prayer invites us to pray with boldness and to say, Our Father. There's almost a cheeky celebration of the sheer grace and goodness of God. Every time, Sunday by Sunday, we start that prayer. Our Father who is in heaven. It's an expression of intimacy. It's also a rebel, revolution of hope that the one who created the universe to whom we pray is the one who is our parent, who loves us with eternal compassion and constant care. Historically, this prayer was known from the fourth century as the Paternoster, our father that's how it was actually described not just the beginning of the prayer but the whole prayer is about father we do not come into the presence of god in prayer and address god as creator or sovereign or righteous or holy or mighty the first word jesus taught us to use was father now when i went to theological college a few years ago uh, the book in the Lord's Prayer was by a German theologian, Joachim Jeremias, who argued that the Jewish people didn't really think about God as Father. Well, over 43 years later, times have changed in biblical studies. And while Jesus addressing God as Father was distinctive, it wasn't unprecedented in Judaism. Indeed, there were several names that we have in the Hebrew Bible of people who, which reminds us that people thought of God as Father. For example, in 1 Samuel, we hear about a person by the name of Abiel, which means God is my Father. The name Joab means Yahweh is Father. And that very common name in Alabama, Ahimelech, means my Father is King. Now, these are not amongst the top 20 of names that we give to our children in either Alabama or Scotland, but they do remind us that within the Hebrew faith, there was an awareness that God was not only holy and righteous and sovereign, he was father. Indeed, Hosea speaks for God when he says, when Israel was a child, I loved him and I called out of Egypt my son. In Isaiah 64, Israel appeals to God on the basis that he is father, saying, you are our father. We are the work of your hand. In other words, you ought to be careful. We find a, a prayer of later in Israel's history in the Dead Sea Scrolls community. We find a, a prayer of thanksgiving that interestingly not only speaks of God as father, but also displaying motherly images. It goes like this, like one full of gentleness for the child, like a wet nurse, you clutch to your chest all your creatures. So when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray and to begin a prayer by saying, our father, it was within the general context of Judaism where God was seen as a father. So Samus says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So Jesus is building on well-known imagery. Yet the way that Jesus so passionately, intimately, and frequently calls God my father is noteworthy. 
Jesus will say to his disciples, he's not only my father, he's your father. In Matthew's parable of the Lord's lost sheep, where the shepherd leaves no stone unturned in trying to discover where the lost sheep is, Jesus specifically says that this speaks about your father in heaven who wills that no one should be lost. So Jesus frequently speaks about God as being father. Now I'm aware of the fact that this image of God as father can have problems. Our experience of human fatherhood is not always positive. Many people have suffered abuse, physical, emotional, even sexual, and they react in pain and anguish at the thought of God being father. So we change things about. You will sometimes notice at the end of a service, when I give the benediction, I often change it from the blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to creator, redeemer, and friend. Focusing on the action of God rather than on thinking of God in his own identity. You also know that I've spoken on many occasions of the fact that we need to reclaim the feminine images of God as an important part of the biblical witness. That in the Bible, we have the vivid language of womb, labor pains, as attributes of God. And so we introduce not only the idea that God has fatherly, but also motherly qualities. Not because this in some way gives a broader understanding of God, but because it is who God is. And we fail to understand who God is without both aspects of his attributes. However, even having said all that, there is something vital about the language of father that transcends patriarchal language and we need to keep at the center of our faith. That the youngest of God, not just as father, but he uses that intimate term that the youngest of childs would have used in speaking to the earthly father, Abba. Now he's not referring to the 70s pop music group. He's not encouraging us to sing uh, uh, things from Mamma Mia or Waterloo, knowing my faith is to be with you. You know, it's not that, it's not to do with that. It's to do with the intimate knowledge that he's Abba. Fathers and mothers often hope that they will be the first to hear their particular attribute, daddy, mummy, or grandpa. That's where it really should be. So what is Jesus saying by using this term Abba? He's saying that the inner life of God is an intimate relationship of love. First of all, between the members of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But that we who come to know God for ourselves come into that intimate relationship as well. We know that intimacy, that trusting, that dynamic exchange so that in the miracle of grace, we join a relationship that's already going on within and between the members of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity is not a hierarchy. The Father is not out there doing his own thing, thing and the Son and the Holy Spirit are on eggshells wondering if he's going to lose his temper at any moment. That's more of the earthly understanding of fatherhood but rather it speaks to us of the most intimate, loving, precious, vital relationship in the whole of the universe. What is happening is that we are entering into the same relationship that Jesus has with the Father. He's my Father. He's your Father. And so we're bold to say, Abba, Father, because we've been drawn into the same relationship that he has. And it's that experience rather than our flawed experience and knowledge of human fatherhood that saves and liberates us and enables us to say with assurance, with confidence, Abba, Father. Yet there's a deeper knowledge and there's a deeper insight in being able to say Abba, Father. It comes from a later experience of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where as he's facing the cross and all that that means, and all the darkness that lies ahead of him, he prays, Father, Abba, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. It's a strange prayer. He doesn't just pray it once or twice, he prays it three times. Abba, Father. 
let this cup pass from me. He faces the experience we all face of doubt, of fear, of wonder, of uncertainty. He faces the unknown future that is going to be difficult. So when Jesus encourages us to pray, Abba, Father, it's not because it makes life easy. We face the realities of darkness as Jesus faced them. We don't turn off the difficult parts of our news. We don't try to be unaware of what it means to live in a fallen world. But we bring those aspects of our life and of our world and all its pain and all its suffering and we bring them into the presence of God and we say, Abba, Father, how long? Abba, Father, not my will, but yours be done. To pray, Abba, Father, is not primarily a pursuit of private advancement. Whether that advancement is material, physical, emotional, or even spiritual, it's the rhythm of standing in the midst of the pain of the world. As apprentice children, standing within that pain and kneeling in the presence of the one who is creator and Abba and has entered into the pain of the world in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's not an individual prayer. It's not a prayer we pray by ourselves. We don't say my father. We say our father. Our faith is a corporate identity. We, we're all in this together. It's helpful because there are many Sundays you know when you may be in church, but you're not able to engage in what's happening because your life has left you disconnected. You're not full of faith. You've got many doubts and fears. So we articulate the prayer, our Father, even at those times when we couldn't express it individually with sincerity, but we do it together. We link arms, we join hearts, and we bring all that we are together into the presence of all who God is. And we pray, Abba. We come in this prayer we're not knocking at a closed door. It's an open door. We're inside. We're tucked up. Father is watching and caring for us. Shouldn't that make us want to pray? Martin Luther was a great one for one-liners. He once said to his students in Wittenberg, he said, I wish I could get you to pray the way a dog goes after meat. Yet even when we don't feel like praying, when we don't know what to pray, Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He intercedes with us and in us with sighs too deep for words. Indeed, Paul says, through the Spirit of God dwelling in our hearts, we cry, Abba, Father. And often it's a desperate cry. And often it's a painful cry but it's part of the confidence that we have when we come into the presence of God. In, his, in their book, Stephen Hawking, A Life in Science, Michael White and John Gribben quote Hawking's conclusion from modern science's observation of the size of the physical universe around us. They say, or he said, we are such insignificant creatures on a minor planet of a very average star in the outer suburbs of one of a hundred thousand galaxies. It's difficult to believe that God would care about us and even notice our existence. I would suggest to you this morning that when we pray, Abba Father, we're entering into the awareness that God does know, that God does care, that God is interested. Remember that parable that Jesus told about the prodigal son? The one who wasted his money, his inheritance, and riotous living? Messed with his mind and his body. He comes back to the father. The father is not reluctant. The father doesn't turn his back. Rather, the father runs to welcome him. Rembrandt's painting of that, which is on the front of the church, bulletin this morning 
speaks of a father who takes both hands and clasps them around his wandering son and welcomes him. And when the older brother is a bit disturbed at this roughneck who's wasted his life and wasted the inheritance has been welcomed back and they've even killed the fatted calf. The father said, we had to be glad. Your brother who was lost is now found. This is our God. This is the one to whom we come this morning and with confidence address him in prayer and say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Will you join me in singing our hymn of response this morning, number 44. Oh, my soul, bless God the Father. Shall we stand to sing? Let us pray. Most gracious God, Heavenly Father, please let us think for a few moments of everything that you've given to us. The beautiful earth, friends, hopefully family, all those that have come into our lives to help us, through and most especially this morning we thank you for this church 
for the wonderful, beautiful music, for the leaders of the church who put so much energy into sending the word to us, helping us to think of you and everything that you've done for us. Let us remember also that gratitude is one of the keys to happiness. And at this time, as we give back to this community, please bless this church and the people in it and their families and friends. Amen. Loving Lord, receive these tithes and offerings. They represent our lives and the blessings that we have received from you. May they be used to bring others to know your loving kindness. May they also be used that others might know the truth of living for you daily and the freedom we have in you. In your holy name I pray, amen. Be seated for just a moment, please. Again, welcome to all that are here in worship today, those who are both uh, our members and guests. We especially want to, again, welcome our guests and would like to have an opportunity to speak to you and uh, have a chance to welcome you warmly with some a little reception there in the narthex. We'll have some lemonade and cookies there. Hope you can linger long enough for that and a fellowship with us for just a little bit. The um, order of 
the calendar of events for the week. You'll see there one or two that I want to make a special uh, mention of, and one is today at 12:30, discovering Southside. It's a time for those who maybe are newcomers to Southside and, and want to come and participate with us for just a little while of learning about who we are, some of where we have come from, where we are now, and where we hope to to where we're headed toward that goal, that mission that is ours. So if you want to come and be a part of that, we will have some sandwiches down in room 140. You come and be a part of it today. Also on Tuesday, there's a book club that uh, will be meeting at Crestwood Coffee Company. Uh, it's the book by, um, it's Deadman's Evicted. It's a, a great book on some social issues that relate to housing. And uh, come and share with us in, as we discuss this on Tuesday evening. And then on Wednesday, our uh, Christian biography series continues uh, Eric Little and many of you were here Wednesday and we had the uh, just an outstanding study as we both listened and watched and then discussed uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer it's a great study hope you'll come and be a part of those opportunities this week and know that um, we're all a part of this spiritual family this corporate family that Dr. Roxborough mentioned and we do pray together we pray for each other too. And so as we go forth, may we know that there are those holding us up. There are those who are encouraging us daily as we all seek to walk in the way of the Lord. Dr. Roxburgh. May grace, mercy, and peace from one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore.